Hey, I'm Stevie. What's up? I'm Monty J. And you're listening to the Bookshelf Boyfriends podcast. Where we take a deep dive with your favorite contemporary romance authors. Asking them questions about everything from their writing process to their reading habits, plus so much more. Join us as we help you find your next Bookshelf Boyfriend. What's up, bookworms? It's your host, Stevie. I realized just now I did not say that yesterday. Yeah, you did. No, I said, what's up, bookworms? And then I said, we're back. (laughs) Oh, okay. All right. Well, what's up, guys? It's MJ. Hope everybody's having a lovely Tuesday. Um, I finished the book. Thank God. Yay! But uh, yeah, other I haven't even been, I haven't done anything new, so there's that for me. I let's see, uh, what did what did I download last night? I'm gonna read some new books. I actually, I'm sure everybody else is in this because most of our readership is, uh, our listenership, I should say, um, is in the Bang Reader Group on Facebook, and yeah. They have currently a bingo card for 52 weeks. It's a giant 52-week reading reading challenge. And, oh, that's cool. There's, I mean, it's not, there's not a lot, it's not full squares, but it's, it's a lot of squares. So you have everything from a book featuring the royalty um, set in the winter, a book with a flavor in the le- title, uh, a male author, like, and you can get bingo different ways. Um, MMA fighters, baseball, orange cover, base, uh, f- football, hockey. So I thought That's that would cool. be kind of fun to try to do. Maybe find some new authors that way. So that's what I'm doing. And also I'm continuing my journey on reading one of my clients' books. And I'm reading Jessica Marin's Perfectly Lonely. How's that going? Oh my God, it's so good. I really love Jessica's writing. So if anybody has not read Jessica Marin, please do it. She's she's such a talented writer. I really enjoyed her Shopping for Love Christmas book. And then I read Heartbreak Warfare and had a blast with that one because it is a seeker baby. Um, yeah. But Perfectly Lonely book two in the Heartbreak Warfare world. And then I read Until Valerie, which is in uh, Aurora Rose Reynolds HEA world. Um, she has a really cute book that I'm going to dive into next. That's called Love at the Bluebird. Okay. I think it's called Love at the Bluebird. Um, and it's a country singer. Ooh, we love that. I love, and it's set in Nashville, of course, and she's from the Nashville area. So it's really cool to read something about like, there. Yeah. Other than that, yeah, that's all that's I got. Cool. Um, I finished Music Lights and Never After by C.L. Matthews. I got an ARC copy and holy shit, that book is so fucking amazing. Cassie, where's mine? I want to read it. 
super taboo, super dark. That's probably why she didn't think of you. Well, no, I saw she posted about but, it. I'm, but it sounds so good though. So even if it's dark, it might it be is. up my alley. I don't know. I'm starting to. You're you're taking me to the dark side. You're welcome. I yeah. it's a good place to be over here. I I'm don't know if that's you. a good thing or a bad thing yet. I haven't decided. I'm also a doing a Vegas reading challenge. If anybody's going to be in Vegas, um, we will be there. Um, whoop, whoop. Lori and I started a reading challenge for Vegas, and we took all the authors that we like were interested in reading from Vegas, and we put them in a spreadsheet. We each picked, picked books for that author that we would want to read. And yeah. then we separated them into KU and not KU. And we put the KU ones in a wheel and we spin it every time we want to read a new book from the Vegas list. So. Love that. It's super cool because we're both experiencing books that we probably would have never read. Like there's a lot of dark romance authors going. So. Yeah. Of course, we're giving those a shot. Because she loves dark romance. She just finished I reading The Lies We Feel. You almost gave her a mental breakdown with that book. Well, that was, you know, I'm glad. She got through the first three pages and, like, he done killed somebody. <laughs> I know, man. I don't play... I didn't play games in that book. Yeah, you definitely did not. I did not play games. And I'm excited. She's excited to read the rest of them. Oh, my God. She's so excited to read them. She's, like, freaking out. She And then when I told her about the other the other idea of what you're playing yeah. next, she was even more freaked out. She was like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to read all of these. Sign me up. So... <laughs> I love it. I love that she's that makes me happy. But today we're gonna be speaking with talk speaking like it's so fucking formal. <laughs> we're gonna be talking to somebody super cool. I know Stevie's really excited to chat with him. I'm so excited to um I don't have she is um freaking I'll if you want I'll read the bio. Yeah, go ahead. Um, if you are on TikTok, she is very well seen on TikTok right now. Uh, she has currently out, I want to say five books, if not close to it. Um, yeah. And her Beaufort Poker series, Beaufort, I think it's called Beaufort. I want to make sure I want to say that name right because... Um, Lord knows MJ's not good with pronouncing anything. Yeah, Lord knows. <laughs> but I it, can't pronounce shit to save my life. Well, this author does not have a bio. Oh my god, that's the second time that's happened. Let me see if it's on Amazon because it's not on Goodreads. It seems like a lot of authors aren't putting bios on Goodreads, which I guess I do. I want people to know me. 
Well, I think it, it honestly depends because with Goodreads, everybody knows that you have to kind of have the, um, the library, the librarian. Yeah. Okay, here we go. She's here, but I'm gonna read this first. Okay, author Maggie Gates writes raw, relatable romance novels packed full of heat humor. Maggie calls North Carolina home. In her spare time, she enjoys daydreaming about her characters, jamming to country music, and eating all the barbecue and tacos she can find. Her Kindle is always within reach due to a love of a small town romances that borders an obsession. So let's go talk to Maggie. What part of... Thank you so much for joining us on the Bookshelf Boyfriends podcast. Maggie Gates, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. We are super excited to have you, super excited to chat with you and get into all things books today. Um, I obviously, I hope like they can hear me better now. They probably were like, oh my God, why does MJ sound like she's speaking through a Rice Krispies bag? Um, <laughs> On the- because of my phone. But it's okay because I got back on my computer, so we're fine. All right, so um, I like to break things off and like start things off and say like, how was the weather near you? It is far too cold for me. Um, I'm in North Carolina and anything under like 68 degrees, too cold. So we were in the 40s today and it was miserable. Oh, I, this North Carolina weather stresses me out. Like where I'm originally from, we're supposed to have like eight inches of snow right now. And North Carolina, like two weeks ago, I was wearing shorts. I was like, oh yeah. I wear <laughs> nothing. I love those 80 degree like winter days. They're fantastic. I don't. Is, we are not this, the same. It part. is currently 23, <laughs> 23 degrees. Well, that's because you live in Baltimore, Stevie. And it's supposed but, to uh, snow. <laughs> I know, I know. I wish it could snow. I wish I missed the snow. So uh, we're going to jump right in and get things kicked off with some book questions about your book specifically. Um, Now, listen, I want you to pronounce the B word in your series (laughs) name. So the series that I'm currently writing through is the Beaufort Poker Club um, based in Beaufort, North Carolina. And the funny thing about it is there's also a Beaufort, South Carolina um, oh, spelled okay. the exact same way, but they pronounce it as Beaufort. And so it's kind of funny, nice. you know, I've had a couple of people like, oh, you're writing about South Carolina. I'm like, no, 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 it's the other one. Um, but it is both Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I'm a, like dyslexic and can't pronounce anything to save my life. So I have to make sure before I say things. So um, the Beaufort Poker Club series, which currently has four books out right now, what was your inspiration behind the series and like where did you get the idea to start it? So I started brainstorming this idea early in quarantine in 2020 and which is crazy that that was like long ago. Um, COVID's been here for like eight I years know. people. Goodness. Jesus. Um, I started uh, kind of brainstorming this idea in quarantine because my Um, I work in the wedding industry and we have, we were all shut down. There were no weddings going on and I had nothing to do. And I was also just really missing that community and being around people. And so I started kind of daydreaming this crazy group of friends who 
realize that when they're in their 30s and they're kind of bogged down by their day jobs, they miss community and they miss hanging out with people. And I think that's really relatable um, for a lot of adults. Um, And so it's just about this group of friends going through life together and they get together once a week to play poker. And rarely do they ever play poker though. (laughs) I love that. That's so cool. And I think that's super important because I feel like a lot of people think that if you don't find like your community of people or like your group of people when you're young, you're never going to find it. You go through life like alone. And I think it's really important for people to know that there's like no age limit on like where you find your people, you know? Absolutely. And I think as adults, it's really hard for us to kind of get out of our comfort zone and make friends. Yeah. Um, But that it's still out there, you know? Yeah. You you just have to find your people. It's easy to make friends when you're in high school, you know, you're, you're, you're going every single day around all these people, you know, it's easy to make friends in college because you're going and you're surrounded by all these people, but you become an adult and like you go to work and you come home. And like, if you don't mingle with the people you have at work, like it's hard to just like step out of your comfort zone and like go to a spin class or like go to a dance class to meet people, Absolutely. you know? So I think that's a super important, you know, message. And I love that. So, yay. Yeah. I will say. I like to think of it as like new girl and friends and cheers kind of all wrapped up into one with some really spicy moments. So So here for it. Love that. It's fun. (laughs) Love it. I love a good pivot moment. I will say even in this industry, (laughs) it's hard to make friends sometimes because it's, you get, a wide variety of personalities absolutely world in the book world I have met so I have one friend that I have been friends with since I was in middle school she'll be like my friend until I die uh we got too many secrets between each other to not be (laughs) friends but um in the in the book community I have met people that I have made stronger connections with over online like the connection is tenfold stronger than anybody I'd ever even, you know, came across in person. And it made me just be like, damn, this is how people get catfished, you know? Like, this is what <laughs> it's like. Cause you know, you watch the TV show Catfished, right? Yeah. And at some point, you gotta, you're like, you're like, how did you not know? You know, like, right. how did you not know? But then you meet these people on the internet and you become friends and you share stories. And, and then you're like, so that's how that shit happens. That's how it happens. Uh, that's how you get catfish. I just had flashbacks of our first conversation we ever had on Instagram. I know. I literally flew to Connecticut this past summer when like travel uh, bans were like uh, released and met somebody that I had met a year prior to that in a book group. And we had literally talked from like when COVID happened the whole year straight, every single day for hours upon hours. She's like my best friend. She's my soulmate. I love her to death. And I literally just flew to Connecticut to see her. And even though I'd FaceTimed her multiple times and we talked on the phone, I was still like, dude, this lady's going to be fucking catfishing me. (laughs) But no, she was real. But yeah, that's like, that's how catfish happens, apparently. Absolutely. All right, Stevie, go ahead. Take the next question. You know, talked about everything under the sun. Um, book one in the series is Poker Face, and this is Maddie and Luca's story, and it's enemies to lovers, which I love <laughs> a little too much. Now, this story is <laughs> a little unique with the storyline. So, what was your favorite part of writing Maddie and Luca's story? Maddie and Luca were so much fun to write. Um, they are both chefs. Maddie is a pastry chef, and Luca is a celebrity chef restaurateur. 
And I, um, are you serving me Gordon Ramsay? Yes. (laughs) Oh, yes. Um, so I am a classically trained pastry chef that used to be my day job. Um, and so this was really fun for me to write like my own industry and just some of the crazy weird things that have happened. Um, and I got to throw some of the things in the book. I am not nearly as accomplished as my characters are, but they were just super fun to kind of like dabble in that world and, you know, romanticize it and make it all fun and pretty. Yeah. Um, but I just loved the way they met. It was kind of a Insta love connection. Um, they met, didn't recognize each other. She is off in California for a baking competition. And he is the grumpy Gordon Ramsay type judge who they've got one epic night together. And then she sees him on set the next day. And it's kind of that like, oh shit moment. Like you can't say anything, but you know, they're pissed off at each other because neither of them knew. Um, And that was just so much fun to write. I love that. Listen, I love a Gordon Ramsay moment. I don't know if you've watched the tea. Okay, first of all, I just need to say like kudos to you for being a classically trained baker because I literally burn frozen cookies. <laughs> um, I'm so bad at baking. I'm a great cook. I'm really good at it. And for a long time, I wanted to go to culinary school. So like I'm good at like savory dishes, but when it comes to like baking anything, fuck no, the oven hates me. <laughs> So I think it's so, I think that people who are like, okay, like this is going to sound shitty, but I don't even care. I think people who do like savory foods, like great, talented, but people who are like bakers, they are like, that's like talent. Like you have to be meticulous. Like one little bit like more baking soda than what you need. Shit's not right. And I don't like that because I like to season my soul and (laughs) I can't do baking. It's just like so hard. But also, it's definitely should, a left brain, right brain thing. Yeah, I or so like your right brain, right? Yeah, <laughs> because I am not. Um, also, I think you should watch the movie Burn with Bradley Cooper. Have you seen it? Is that about the food truck? No, 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 no. no. Is that what that That's, was? No, 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 no. This is he's basically Gordon Ramsay, like literally. I have Gordon to look Ramsay. it up. I don't um, watch nearly enough TV. Or it's literally about the downfall like it's about this really hot it's bradley cooper obviously it's about this really hot esteemed uh michelin star chef and he is coming out of like recovery from rehab because he lost his stars and had like a really bad cocaine addiction and like all of this fucking just like traumatic shit and like scandalous stuff happened and it's about him getting back into the food world um and that's awesome not to look it up you need to you need to it's so good and I think you'll like it. Um, so Wild Card is book two in the series. And, you know, I'm a sucker for second chance romance. Okay. I love them. Um, and it's, it doesn't matter what other genre you put it in. Second chance is just like chef kiss. All right. So this is Erica. Is it Erica, right? Yes. Erica and Steve's story, which focuses on grief of, you know, the loss of his wife and, you know, him battling through that. And she has lost her fiance. And so, like, what made you want to dive into writing a story about two characters getting a second chance at love while battling the turmoil that comes from, like, grieving love? I think I really wanted to explore the idea that people grieve differently, and there's not a right way to grieve. Um, With Steve, he loses his wife to cancer, and it's kind of this very long, drawn-out process um, of her slowly slipping away. And so when she's finally gone, he's 
um, just decided that he's done with love, mm -hmm. um, you know, and he got his one great love and that he'll never find that again. And then with Erica, it's a car accident that takes her fiance. So it's kind of a split second. She had no time to prepare. Um, and with her, she's the type at some point in the book, she's like, I printed out this list that tells you how to grieve and it hasn't helped. Um, and she's very analytical and I want to get over the grief. Um, and so it's just people kind of coming around each other and lifting each other up in those really dark moments. And it's funny because their story was originally going to be a standalone. And then as I was plotting this series, I thought, no, 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 they need to be surrounded by community and surrounded Absolutely. by this group of friends um, to really help them through these dark times. And so even though the book is very emotional, um, I cried the whole time writing it. Um, but there are some really beautiful moments that you just look and you think life is good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that it's a, I think books like that are like a beautiful representation of that. You don't like if somebody you love dies, like you don't have to be alone. Like I know that a lot of people feel guilt for, you know, getting in relationships after they lost a spouse or a girlfriend, boyfriend, partner or whatever. Um, and I don't, I, I hate the concept of like, like, don't get me wrong. Like there are definitely some people who they lose their spouse and they never marry, never date again. And, you know, that's their own grieving processes, their own mindset. But I hate when people are shamed, especially in the romance community, when you write books about losing a spouse, a lot of people like shame, like, oh, they had that one love. Like they never need to love again. I hate that. Absolutely. I hate that. Imagine gatekeeping love. Absolutely. Like, imagine I can't I I hate that concept I hate it it's a it's like really toxic and I think it makes the grieving process even harder because I feel like a part of grieving and losing somebody is realizing that life does go on even though they are gone and a part of life moving on is finding new connections absolutely and if you're like no you can't love again like that's like damn that's harsh. So I, I love that. I love that you did that and decided to take that leap with that and beautifully done. Beautifully Thank done. Thank you. So right, Fox Three is square deal. And this is a playboy romance where we love a playboy, playboy that eventually gets tamed. And Isaac it. and Hannah who are polar opposites. So what surprised you most when writing their story? So when I went to write this book, I had just finished up book two, which was a super heavy, um, very sad story. And I was mm -hmm. like, all right, this one is going to be a rom-com. It's going to be Playboy. I'm going to pull out all the stops and make it hilarious and super spicy and um, just complete opposite of what I had been doing. Mm -hmm. And I thought that this was going to be the book that people are like, oh, it was super entertaining, but I didn't really identify with the characters because Isaac is a billionaire. Hannah Jane is, um, she's a wedding planner and she is very successful in her own right. They're not the like pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of relatable characters that I thought that they were going to be. But the reception from readers has been, you know, that they saw a lot of themselves in Hannah Jane's dating struggles or her yeah. struggles to love her family, but also deal with the resentment for the expectations that are put on her um, mm -hmm. to kind of get married off and start a family and sit still and look pretty. And so that, that was really surprising for me. Um, I didn't think it was gonna be my most relatable book, but the reception was great. And I was kind of floored by that. I have a sweet spot. It's like my secret 
like fixation, I guess you could call it on like wedding planning, right? Like I hate things like that. Like, like not, I hate weddings, but I'm not a very girly person. Okay. And I'm not saying that weddings are girly or anything of that nature, but I'm not a very, I'm not a very like, you know, like flowery wedding type gal. Okay. But I have a fixation with wedding planners. I love watching movies where the lead character or reading books where the lead character is into like the wedding world. There's just something about them that is just screaming organization and like financial success that stresses (laughs) me out. Like how they, I, I don't know. There's just something about it that I really love. So I love reading books like that. I love reading books where they're like a wedding planner, a wedding cake maker, like whatever it is. I love it. There is such a juxtaposition in the wedding industry. Um, And I say that I've been around the wedding industry for a decade now, but you have to be very organizational minded and very business minded, but you also have to be kind of a hostess to some sense. So it's that um, difference between being a shark and making sure that everything gets done to a T, but then you also have to, you know, be elegant and graceful and um, you know, make guests feel welcome. And so just create such a unique personality, especially in characters. Oh yeah. Um, for them to have all of those sides. I love that. I love it. I wish I could be that person. Probably never going to happen, but you know, whatever, who knows? <laughs> um, did you take that last question? Is it my turn? It's your turn. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. All right. So in spades is the four. Also, I love these titles. I love how they're all like poker themed. So in Spades is the fourth book, and this is Kristen and William, and this is a small town billionaire romance, and their story is like an Insta kind of like family vibe with some very spicy panty melting moments. So was there anything new you did with this book that you hadn't done in the ones before that had like surprised you? So Will is my first cinnamon roll hero. Um, I love my grumpy alpha mm-hmm. kind of asshole. Um, who all secretly have hearts of gold. They're redeemable. Yeah, but yeah. he was my first guy that um, he was so just smitten with her from the get-go and he really didn't have any hangups. He was a little bit older. This is an age gap romance. And so he is much more established in life. Um, and so I really didn't know how that was going to be taken um, by my readers of just having a really sweet guy who didn't have those, you know, kind of gruff edges. Yeah. Um, but people have loved him and I love him. He's, he's such a sweetheart. He really is. And throughout the series, or I'm sorry, throughout this book, um, Kristen has custody of her four younger siblings. And so you see him bond with them and kind of break down their walls as well. And it's just really heartwarming. I love it. My little infant, my little, my little orphan heart. I love that. All right, Stevie, ask your favorite question. Authors hate. This is a, yes, this is a very controversial question. Um, if the Beaufort Poker Club was to become a movie or TV series, who would you cast as the lead roles? This took me so long. And it's because I have inspiration for all of my people, but there were a couple where they're just a figment of my imagination. Um, all right, so I'm going to go down the list because I have a pretty big cast. I'm going to hit okay. rapid fire. Luca would be Sam Hunt, the country singer. I get he's not an actor, but he has the face. He has the face I need. Um, If you've seen Break Up in a Small, uh, what is it? Breaking Up in the 90s, the video. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely an actor in that video. (laughs) Yeah. So he is my Luca. Um, 
Maddie would be Blake Lively. Steve would be Jason Momoa. (gasps) I love Jason Momoa. Oh Oh my god. (laughs) Um, Erica would. Yes, Erica would be America Ferrera from Mm -hmm. Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants Superstore. Hannah Jane. Yes, Hannah Jane would be Nina Dobrev. Oh yes, please. Um, Isaac. Isaac would be Chris Hemsworth. Mm. Um, Kristen. Oh yeah. I, all the Hemsworths. <laughs> Just give me all of them. I know. Um, the <laughs> You can't pick like that family hit the genetic lottery. Oh, I know. Um, let's see. Kristen would be Josie Loren, who's, I guess, a little lesser known. She was in this ABC family show a billion years ago it. called Make It or Break It. Yes. Um, she was also in The Mentalist, which is really Very good. pretty. Um, Will, my original inspiration for Will was Jake Gyllenhaal. (laughs) (laughs) Where's the red scarf? I don't know how I feel about that now. So we're going to go with Chris Pine because he's got a really kind face. Okay. Yeah. All right. That worked. (laughs) Because I I literally laughed my head off uh, going back through my inspiration board. I was like, oh, that didn't age well. Yeah. (laughs) He's now stolen the scarf. That hoe. He needs to send it back. Just give we know you have it. <laughs> My favorite will yeah, be run a target and get a different scarf and send it back. Yeah, I know, right? I but see at the same time though, like I separate Jake Gyllenhaal from Brokeback Mountain completely because Brokeback Mountain's one of my favorite movies. <laughs> and I'm not gonna quit loving it because of the scarf thief. So oh, I just think <laughs> I just think to myself, I'm like, okay, listen. They're not even the same person. They're two completely different yeah. <laughs> So, yeah. You know, but it's fine. I mean, if you still like Jake Gyllenhaal, that's cool. Guess you're just not a Swifty, but it's fine. Um, all right. So what is next for you as we count down days? And wait, we count down days. No, wait, wait. What is next for you in 2022? Because 22 is already here. It's 11 days in. It's 11 days in and I'm still writing 2021 on everything. I know. Um, So this upcoming year, I'm hoping to do five new books and a relaunch. Um, The first thing I've got coming up is the relaunch of my debut novel. It's getting a new cover, a fresh new edit, um, kind of a rebrand of sorts. And it's going to be out hopefully at the end of this month or the beginning of February. Um, The last two Beaufort Poker Club books are going to come out back to back hopefully March and May and then that series will be over and I will be in a puddle of tears um and then after that I'm hoping to get three new books out um two standalones and the beginning of a new series so it's going to be a crazy packed year but I'm very excited uh are you are you are you going to share spoilers on like what your new series is going to be or like even like a little like little hint or inclination yeah, so um, the new series I'm going to write is featuring first responders as the heroes or heroines. Um, it's going to be in a fictional little town in North Carolina called Balls Creek. And it's been teased a little bit in the Beaufort series. So one of the B characters in that seri- series who is a flight nurse, um, it's yeah. going to be the first heroine for the first book. Ooh. Um, and I'm super excited for that one. That sounds fun. I'm excited. That- I love a good first responder. That is going to be, she's going to fall in love with a cop. It's going to be fake engagement. 
Um, oh. Lots of shenanigans and fun things with that. It's a crazy little zany small town full of old people who like to meddle and set people up. I love, oh my God, I love that. I wanted to, <laughs> I think I still want to like maybe like 10 years and you know, down the road after I get through everything else that I want to do. But I had literally came up with an entire series about, um, fuck, I just lost what the name of them are. They're wildfire fighters, but they're like, they have like a specific name. Hold up. I'm going to look fire it fire jumpers. The, the. No, they have like, they have a name. I came up with this entire series. Like there were five books because it was like a whole family and I still want to do it. So I'm not going to say too much about it, but I know that it won't come like anytime fucking soon because I already have. Like, jumpers nine. or something? No, there is definitely that, but it's not. It's like a, hold up. I'm looking it up. Hold up. I'm looking it up. Hold up. Okay. It was, I watched the movie on, this is what happens to me. I watched the movie only the brave and I got this entire fucking idea from this one movie. Um, they are, oh my God. What's the word for it? I know that they're firefighters. Oh my God. This is going to make, this is going to drive me crazy. Hot shots. That's what they're called. They're called hotshot firefighters. And I loved the idea of doing a series about a family of like all boys and one girl and their dad was the chief of this hotshot firefighting company and they fight wildfires in California and on the West coast. And I had titles, I had names and I was like, you can't fucking write that. You, that is not, that's not even close to your brain. <laughs> what are you doing? I was like, what is even, what are you even thinking right now? But yeah, I love a good first responder. That was basically the whole moral of that story was that I love those because I don't think I'm ever going to be able to write them. And so I live vicariously through other people. So I'm excited. Um, all right. So we're going to shift and move into writing fresh questions. So when did you first realize that you wanted to be a writer slash author? Um, so my dad was a journalist. Um, and so my family was kind of English-based mm -hmm. um, in that world, but we were just always around books and reading and um, things like that. And so I was always kind of writing little short stories and things like that as a kid. Um, through high school and early college, I got into writing fan fiction. <gasps> um, yes. So I was yeah, one of those. Um, were you on Wattpad? So I was oh. like, I don't know. I. Wattpad wasn't around when I started writing it, but it kind of, okay. yeah, I kind of skipped around that. But I love a good fan. yeah, so like I was the short story fan fiction kind of era. And then I got really bored in quarantine. And I was like, you know what? I found my love of romance novels again. I was like, I'm going to give this a shot and try it out and just see if I could do it. And here we yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. I love those, those, I love the amount of people who have become authors during COVID, you know, people who have had the time. No, I'm serious. I mean, I was one of them. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Like, I can't, like, I'm talking about myself, but like, it's those people who always had like a dream of wanting to do it. And then COVID, like obviously worst thing that's ever happened, but at the same time, like kind of gave us a, it, I think it gave us all like a really like freezing moment time where we were like, holy shit, like, who are we if the world stops, you know? Like if the world Absolutely. ended tomorrow, like, who are you? Like, what do you do? You can't just say that, oh, I go to work and I come home, you know? And so I love these like writers that have came out from COVID. It's great. I think, you know, when we all 
got stuck at home with our own thoughts, we started realizing that we were just living in this hamster wheel of go to work, come home, take care of your family and do it all again. Yeah. And then we slowly rediscovered things that we like doing, like reading, you know, Mm -hmm. I hadn't, you know, before two years ago, I hadn't read any books since college and that was required reading. Yeah. Because, you know, you're just busy with adult life and you forget the little things that bring you joy. I know. And I was like, so I knew that I always wanted to be an author or be like in the author world, et cetera, et cetera. But like, it's like that thing where it's like, how do you even, how do you even go about it? How do you even go about it? So it started as like, I'll just write the book and then we'll just see where we go from there. And now here we are. So you know, it happens. Dreams do come true, people. All right. So are you a plotter, a pantser, or somewhere in between, which we like to call a planter? I'm a planter, but I'm, I've also been on either end of the spectrum. Um, with my first book, it was like outlined to a T. I had timelines and all these things. And then with the beginning of the Beaufort series, it was just kind of flying by the seat of my pants. And I loved how organic it felt um, for those characters to fall in love. Um, as I'm nearing the end of the series, it's a series that's best read in order. And so I've got all these running storylines and threads that need to get tied up. And so I'm having to go back to the more regimented outlining. Yeah. Um, but in my heart, I am a pantser. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I'll never be a pantser ever. That's net. I don't think that'll ever happen. I don't think I have, I have too many control issues and, you know, I've just accepted it. I've accepted I, it. I think it depends that. on the books. I got mad control issues, which I'll be honest with you, it does depend on the book because this one I was writing right now, I was trying desperately to plot this bad boy. And then this main male character was like, fuck your outline, ho. We're going <laughs> to do it my way. Isn't it like, so infuriating when they just take over and run with your sword and you're yeah. like, hold on, come back. You can't do that. Yeah, you're like, wait, wait, wait. I had an idea for where this was going to go. And now I don't know where it's going to go. And he's like, just trust me. We're fine. <laughs> and it what sucked is is like yeah like what sucked was I write dark romance which is different than obviously with the the series that you wrote but I I, love dark romance uh, though that's the majority of what I read I love that yeah I'm just not brave enough to write it like that's what it comes down to (laughs) do it I so when I started this series the first like I had the standalone I had wrote before I started this series I had figured out a good way to plot and outline. And I was like, yes, this is the structure and format I'm going to keep for every book I write after this. And then I wrote the first book in the Hollow Boy series. And I was like, this is perfect. Alistair and Briar followed this outline. Great. They were, you know, and obviously when I say outline, I feel like people think that's it's very stiff, but it's not like I outline the action of what needs to happen, their dialogue and how they react to each other is all like pantsed, but, and then I, I shift the outline if it changes anything drastically, but they followed it greatly. And I was like, this is amazing. Here we go to the next book. I'm ready. I did everything right. And then this fucker was like, I'm going to fuck this all up. But it made sense because of his character, because he's a very impulsive man and he's an arsonist. So it made sense that the one who has control issues would do great with an outline. And the one who's not, <laughs> just like, you know what? I'm going to set it on fire. And then you just that. go in the dark. So it sucked, but it's fine. It's fine. It's all under control. So what I've been doing with the book that I'm writing right now is y'all can actually see it behind me, but I use sticky notes. 
on a poster board to do my outline. That way I can just shift them around when I need to see like mine, great mine. Yeah, yeah. Well, see, you don't, what you don't see is the whole wall prior to that. Like, <laughs> you know, up there. Also, just ignore the bleach that's right there. It was cleaning. Um, so uh, do you have any like interesting writing quirks, like eating Twizzlers or like, if you sit down, you have to be wearing a certain pair of socks or like listening to a certain song or anything like that? Um, if I'm writing at home, I just have to be comfortable. I get very cold and I'm very cranky when I get cold. So mm. I literally have five pairs of slippers underneath my desk. I wear hoodies. Oh. I've got like the hot hands, um, hand warmers because my hands get cold. I'm really high maintenance like that. Um, I love it. <laughs> if I go out to, I love going to Starbucks or Panera to write um, just to get out, but I order the exact same thing. I'm superstitious with it. Has to be the same drink from Starbucks or the same order from Panera. What do you get at Panera? This is a, like real question. All right, my Panera order is the white cheddar Asiago steak sandwich without horseradish, sub for mayo, and I get sweet tea with it and Caesar salad. Oh, it's a good one. That's solid. I love that. See, I am an sesame chicken salad person. That's good too. I am crunch bagel. MJ knows. Oh yeah, those I have all, all four yep. cinnamon crunch bagels. I yep. have, I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty like creature of habit type of gal. So depending on my mood, I'll either do like a soup and it, it'll, it'll depend on my mood. Like I'm not, I am not biased to any soup. I love all <laughs> of them. So it'll either be a soup, but it's always a Caesar salad. I love their Caesar dressing. It, it is the best. It's, it is. Hot it tea. is next level Caesar dressing. And I've even made homemade Caesar dressing before. And I'm like, no, this is not Panera's. It's gross. I don't like it. Um, so um, what is the weirdest thing that you have ever had to Google for a book? Oh, goodness. Um, my first, my debut novel was Military Romance. So there wasn't anything super weird, just a lot of like gunshot wounds and things like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> with this series, it's never what I Google. It's what I find when I fall down the Google rabbit hole. Oh God. Yeah. Like, um, for in spades, I made a joke about a crocodile doing the death roll. And then I thought, Oh no, wait, is it crocodiles or alligators that do the death roll or do they both? And so then I go down the Google rabbit hole and I find out that alligators can climb trees. Did oh. y'all know that? Alligators no, can climb I trees. Know that. That's terrible. And now I have a new fear. That's um, terrifying. Fuck that. No, thank you. Yeah. With this book that I'm writing, the heroine um, is terrible at dating and goes on a string of really bad Tinder dates. Yeah. And I ended up having to look up the requirements for being a sperm donor. <laughs> and that took me down like a really weird rabbit hole too that unsee some things oh, that yeah. you see on the internet and so the that worst, was a though, that was an interesting loop to get stuck in <laughs> worse though I love when I google something and it gives me a reddit thread or something like that and I click on the reddit thread and I just find myself spending hours and pawn hours of reading people's stories on reddit yes and it's like god these are getting crazy these are literally insane but it's like oh I might use this this is great so, um, all right, that's that's it for me for writing questions. CV is going to take reading questions. I have to go grab something real quick, so I'm just going to pop off real quick. CV, go ahead, follow. Okay. So what book has your favorite cover? Now, this can be any of yours or any of another author's. 
all of my books have matching covers. So I'm going to take myself out of that one because they all look exactly the same. <laughs> um, my, oh goodness, there are so many that have good covers. Out of the Blue by Catherine Nolan, I think had my favorite cover of last year. It was just, the models on it were phenomenal and it just had such, I don't know, it was so gripping. Um, and then I really love the Surrender and Dominate duo by Amy Dawes. Oh yeah, um, those covers are those so Those are pretty. phenomenal. She did a good um, job. I think when it comes, yes, there's, I love that series so much. And those two, like, it just kind of, showed the character perfectly um I think I don't know I'm so picky when it comes to cover models I guess that's why I don't put models on my books because they never look like what I think they look like in my head um but I think Rushing In by Claire Kingsley that one when I first saw the cover I was like oh my god that's Gavin Bailey like and I love that series so much where I see that cover it just makes me so happy because he's got this big smile on and that's such his personality Oh my goodness, she's one of my favorite authors. I, I finally finished her backlist. I just finished and, her Jetty Beach series. Oh, I love those so much. They were so good. And I'm a huge, huge Dirty Martini Running Club fan. Like mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with that series. So I I read that one. I want to say right after her husband died because everybody was giving away the books and we gave away a bunch of them on mm-hmm. our page. So I ended up starting her backlist then, and that was the first one I read. I, like, I'm obsessive when it comes to her books. Um, They're just so, so good. I finally bit the bullet and read His Heart, and I cried so much. It was beautiful, but it was brutal, but amazing. She's one of my favorite authors by far. I do. I do adore her. I love Lucy's score too, though. And those two are so good. Yes. Yes. I think right now I'm partial with my favorite covers right now because MJ has released some amazing covers recently. And I always pick my clients over everybody else. It's weird. (laughs) And then of course, Kat Singleton just released her discreet covers, which people- I love a discreet cover. Oh, I'll show you these ones. They're so pretty. They're CD. Oh, I love that. That's so cute. And the originals are really pretty too. And Ashley is freaking phenomenal. I mean, she designs covers for Penelope Douglas and Charlie Pucci and all of them. So she's super talented, but she just honed in on those, on those books and like really, really brought out what Kat wanted in that. And I was just so impressed. (laughs) Um, I love a discreet cover. I think oh, that's why I err on the side of no models. I, I love, see, I'm one of those people that buys, if you release a series and a discreet cover, I will buy all of them. I'm, <laughs> I think I've had like the serial killer mindset where like, I honestly own like five books. I mean, we have a ton of books here, but they're mostly my husband's. I just don't buy paperbacks for myself. Um, but if I really love the ebook, I'll buy the paperback just so I can have it on, like as a trophy on my shelf. I don't read, I'm, me and MJ are probably pretty similar on some things where we don't read our paperbacks. They're strictly for, they're for displaying. They're for beautiful yeah, shelves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I got my book in box today that had the new, the new Colin Coover cover in it that everybody's trying to chase down. And that's a special edition. That book will never be read. 
Exactly. Um, like top shelf on a display board. I, yeah. will buy, I will buy little plastic baggies for them to be put in. <laughs> I literally buy like book merch. I love book merch so much, right? Um, but this just came in the mail the other day and I have to show it because I forgot to show it yesterday. Oh, it, I have a, I, now listen to me. I tried to fight off the Funko Pop thing, okay? I'm not a Funko Pop person. I will not have any other one besides this one. And I don't want people to think that I'm giving in to the fanatics of Funko Pops, but I have a Stephen King Funko Pop. That's <laughs> amazing. And it goes in its little Stephen King shelf with all of his other memorabilia and merchandise I have, but I saw it on the internet and I was like, yeah, I'm going to buy that. I, I have to buy that immediately. Add to cart. So yeah, I, I gave, so I like, I, I like books to be displayed like merchandise. Don't touch them. They are there for a reason. You missed where I said you're my favorite covers. Oh, thanks. Appreciate it. <laughs> um so what attracts you to a book the cover the board recommendation or the title I would go with a title or the blurb I'm Mm -hmm. one of those I'm probably in the minority I could take or leave a cover if it has a really good title I am immediately like into it it could have a really good a really great cover but kind of a a weak title and I'll probably pass on it Mm. I love a good punny like you know like like a good pun uh like a play on words Mm -hmm. or like a like a mismatch of like maybe like some type of pop culture kind of reference sold I love those and he's the queen of coming up with really good titles of books I am good at that. I mean, the lies we steal was a great one. And then you went with the truths we burn and went all the way through. Yeah. My my friends will be like, dog, like I need help with this title. Like I can't write a blurb and I'm really bad at. Oh, writing blurbs is the worst. Yeah. 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 I'm really bad at telling my cover designer what I want. I'm pretty much suck at everything, but I'm going to own the fact that I'm good as fuck at coming up with titles like love those and my for my debut book I wanted to do like a pop culture reference have you ever seen the movie love and basketball I don't think so oh it's phenomenal it's one of my favorite movies ever but it's really good you should watch it it's older but it is really great um and so my debut novel was love and hockey so obviously I just switched the sport out Mm -hmm. I I hope people get this reference (laughs) like I hope they understand what I'm trying to do here but I, I love a good, I love a good, t- I'm with you on that one. I'm, you're not in the minority. I love a good title. Title, yeah, titles, CD. if they're really illiterate, I like them. Yeah, yeah, uh, Who are some of your favorite authors to read? Uh, well, now that I spent, you know, a solid 10 minutes writing about Claire Kingsley, Claire Kingsley, um, <laughs> <laughs> Lucy Score, Lauren Landish, like those three, I could binge all day long. Um, Jessica Prince is phenomenal. Oh my God, Melanie I love Harlow. her too. Yes. Um, Molly McLean, Amy Dawes, like I could, I have a very long list. Those are probably at least the ones that come to mind. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I always I, hate yes. answering that though, because I don't want people to be like, oh, they didn't say so-and-so and they're my favorite. Like, I can't list everybody, but okay. I, there's so many that are just phenomenal. It's a good list. It's a good list. We love Molly McLean, or at least I do, because I'm a huge fan of We're Made of Moments. She is so sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, that book was so good. 
she even sent me a copy of it um and she made sure to send me the copy that Chris Dizzo actually signed so now I have to sign it too and I'm like it's beautiful in the she is one of those genuinely like just amazingly nice people I was really struggling through my third um, poker club book and I did some writing sprints with her and it like finished the book and it's that kind of community that I was like this is amazing little pockets of community that just lift each other up and it's amazing sprint rooms save the end of this book I'm gonna say publicly now that the sprint group and sprint group of women that I sprint sprinted the last section of the truths we burn with are the only reason that that shit did not that deadline did not get pushed and you guys are getting it on the date I said (laughs) that is the only reason that is it I love that I also love a good sprint room and like the support that everybody has when you're like writing I love it it's amazing like you're not in the same room in the same state it's all virtual but it's just like that little bit of encouragement you need to keep going it's like we're sitting there in a room like it's all of us like in a room or some shit like we're all on our couches and like riding away because that's what it feels like you get yeah sprint with them for like two and a half hours and while like through like we do like 15 minute like liza can't go more Mm -hmm. than 15 minutes because god her brain will fucking shatter into man pieces if we do but we go like 15 minutes and then after those 15 minutes we take a five minute break and we talk about god knows what and so it just feels like we're all in this little room just like you know doing it and you don't even realize that you wrote like 10k while you've been exactly so i love that is it drug time yes it is oh shit my bad that was my fault sorry 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 anyway so that is cv's last part of the section however this is the last part of the podcast which is trope questions this is our favorite section of the podcast even though it is at the end we saved the best for last um so what is your favorite trope to write and why um my favorite trope to write enemies to lovers mistaken identity and i realized that i've actually done that a lot in my books I love that. Um, but I like I just love it. It's my favorite. I love when people they have that moment where they think they're all relaxed and cool around each other, and then there's that oh shit, it, it's so and so, and I didn't yeah. realize it. I'm just absolute trash for that. And then I think um friends to lovers, mm. like the fall on the sword. I don't want to ruin the friendship. Um yeah, so I'm more. gonna put my feelings aside. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that. Have you read Punk 57 by Penelope Douglas? It's on my TBR for this oh year. Oh my God. I've been putting it off. <laughs> if you like, if you like, first of all, I love the fact that Pin, the Punk 57 has blew up on TikTok and has got the, you know, the hype it has deserved. Because Misha is one of my favorite male characters. But it is like a mistaken identity, just like a play on that, you know? Because obviously they've been pen pals. These two have been pen pals for years. They've never mm-hmm. seen those faces and then they move to the same school and they hate each other in person. And so it is just the most, it is, oh God. It those is are just like all the things amazing. that I love. It's amazing. And it's beautiful because it's like, you can hate the person on the surface. Like, so like through pen palling, they got to know each other on a deeper level and they loved that about each other. But the people they presented on the outside was what they did not like about each other. And I was like, oh, exactly. So beautiful. You have to read it. It's really good. And the only reason I've been putting it off is because I know I'm going to read it and I'm going to love it. And then I'm going to crash down the rabbit hole and have to read the rest of her stuff. And I'm never going to get any more books written. (laughs) 
section in the middle right there. Listen, <laughs> pinned up, I live and breathe by her. She could literally write on a cardboard box and I'd be like, buy it. I will read it. You know, she's so good. And honestly, I think that Punk 57 is a good way to start when you're reading her because a lot of people start with Birthday Girl which is also phenomenal, but like, you got to understand mm-hmm. that after birthday girl shit goes down very fast. <laughs> okay. uh, everybody likes to joke that Jordan, who's the female character of birthday girl had it so easy compared to any of the other girls in her books, because shit, you get to devil's night and that <laughs> God, they go through hell literally. So it's really good. And I think that you should definitely read it and then go binge the rest of her books. Definitely. So worth it. All right. Okay. Steve, you take the next one. What is one trope you would eventually like to write and why? Um, I finally have it on my calendar to write a fake engagement. I love reading mm. fake dating, fake engagement books. I think they're hilarious. And I finally have one on my calendar. I'm so excited to write it. I've just never been able to come up with a story where I'm like, that's plausible. People would actually do that. And I yeah, think yeah. I finally have one cornered. So that has been like my holding on to it. Um, I finally get to do it. I'm so excited. I feel like fake engagement is like one of those tropes where it's not like I'm not going to seek after it, you know, but if it's like in the book, I'm like, oh, oh that's a nice little, that's a nice little cherry you added in there. Yeah. I love that one, you know? So that's like one of, I said, that's like one of my in-between tropes. Like, it's not like the one that like, when I see it, I'm like, add the cart. You know, like, yeah, that's like my enemies lovers, like reverse harem. I see that and I'm like, oh, yeah. What I love about the fake relationship is that it just gives you so much forced proximity and they're so uncomfortable around each other. And I love that. Me too. Now you see why I like the Dirty dirty, uh, Martini Running Club. The first one in the series is fake marriage. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I like like fake marriages like in mafia style where she's like kidnapped or like she doesn't want to be there like there's something about like you know obviously I enjoy the ones that it's like uh, an agreement like a formal agreement like she needs the money and he needs uh, somebody to better his image or something along the lines of that whatever I am a sucker for the mafia ones because like in mafia in the mafia world like men just you know sell their daughters like bread and I see my feminism they, going out the window anytime I read a mafia Every book. time. <laughs> I am a female activist in like every form of the word. I don't say feminist because I feel like sometimes people take that in like a negative connotation, which I hate, yeah. but I'm very pro-women, very like female activist. But when I pick up a mafia book, all my morals, all my feminism <laughs> just flies right out the fucking window. And I love it. I literally love it. Like I don't, Oh, it's so good. So good. The best. I don't even care. I don't even care. It's fiction. It's not hurting anybody. (laughs) All right. So what is one trope you'll never write and why? Or if you're like a person who's never saying never, what's like the least one on your list? This is, this question is exactly why I never say never because somebody asked me this in an Instagram Mm Q&A and I said sports romance because I don't really watch sports. Yeah. And then immediately that night I was like, huh, well, I wonder what I would write if I wrote a sports romance. And then I literally sat down and outlined an entire sports romance, which is going to come out this year um, after the Poker Club series wraps. That's going to oh. be the next one. And so that's my like, oh, well, I learned my lesson, guys. I'm going to give you a sports What's romance sport? now. Football. I have literally watched one football game in my entire life. 
Um, but my husband, my husband loves football. And so this whole football season, he's been like coaching me through all the ins and outs of the game. And I've, I've learned a lot. Um, yeah. I mean, this is a good year to learn. I mean, Antonio, I mean, you could literally use the fact that Antonio Brown walked straight off the fucking field in the middle of the second period during the fucking Buccaneers game. You could definitely yep. use that. So it's a great year to do it. Um, it's a great year to learn because a lot of shit went down this year. That's the truth. All right, Stevie, you can take the next one, our last one. If you were in a book, what trope would you want for your story? I think we would all be lying if we didn't say we wanted to be in a billionaire romance because- Thank you. Like, let's be honest, it would solve a lot of problems. Yeah, uh, yeah. But then on the other side of that, like, billionaires do not look like what they look like in romance novels. You know, they are not the hot like, act, 30 somethings with six pack abs. Um, they don't. No. And they don't act like that either. Yeah. Um, but I think if my real life marriage was a romance novel, it would have been insta love, friends to lovers. Yeah. 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 Sweet and simple. Um, I just think friends to lovers, like you get, it's kind of one of the more boring tropes, but you get such a good foundation. I don't think it's a boring trope. I tell everybody that comes on here, Friends to Lovers is like one of my top ones. It's just a hard sell for me. Like, yeah, I can own, like, I love Friends to Lovers. I've read a lot of them, but I can count on like two hands how many of them that I actually enjoyed because they're like a hard sell for me because mm-hmm. you fall into that category of like miscommunication, which is fine. But like for me, it's just like, I need more than miscommunication. And I also- I think it's so funny that people don't like the miscommunication conflict at the end of books. Yeah. And I, like, that is my favorite conflict to write. I, um, <laughs> I, it bothers the shit. No, I'm not saying that it's like, I don't like it. I'm saying that I need more than that. Like I need a justification. Cause see, always what ends up happening with friends to lovers is something is going to happen that tears them apart. And I'm going to end up hating one of them. And I need some form of justification besides the fact, oh, I just didn't tell you. I need something else. Yes. So I just think it's so funny that people are like, oh, I don't like the miscommunication trope. But like, let's be honest, when it comes to real life relationships, 90% of our problems are because we don't properly communicate with each other. Yeah, literally. And that's why yeah. I don't like it because I don't, I don't <laughs> it's want, a little too close to home. Yeah. I don't want to be living my real life people. Um, I'm here for the fiction. Uh, but also Imagine. I think I would do, listen, I could do a reverse harem and I, you know, one of them could be a billionaire. One of them is a billionaire in my reverse harem. So I, why that solves all your problems. Why have one when you <laughs> them all (laughs) um but that is our last question for you on the podcast you've been such an amazing co-host and we want to thank you so much for coming on and joining us tonight um we're gonna give you no problem we're gonna give you a few minutes to talk about a book coming up a sale whatever cover reveal drop this is your time to speak about that and uh, then let our listeners know where to find you so my next release is a re-release of my debut novel, The Stars Above Us, which is a steamy military romance about an army captain on deployment in Afghanistan and a war correspondent who is embedded with his company. Um, it will be out late January or early February 2022. And then the fifth Beaufort Poker Club book will be out hopefully in early March. And that is a friends to lovers um roommate romance 
<gasps> oh, I love a roommate. I love a roommate moment. <gasps> Thank you. Uh, once we're super excited to see what you know come you you come up with and like all the books you released. And uh, like I said, thank you so much for joining us, and we hope to chat with you again soon. Yes, thanks.